Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Many couples struggle with infertility. In the past, some couples that have been assisted by fertility professionals have ended up with twins. Danielle and Adam Busby struggled to have their first daughter, Blake. When Blake was five years old, they decided to try again. This time, their assisted pregnancy resulted in five baby girls. The Busby family's story is told on the reality TV show Outdoored that you can see in Australia on Foxtel. Danielle is on the phone from America in the car. How are you, Danielle? Hi, how are you? Good. I, I imagine you're in the car because I can't see you getting too much time on your own for a phone call. Would that be the the case? You know, that's actually hilarious because uh, we just got home from filming and I told Adam, I'm going to just go sit in the car so I can sit here and they can hear me. <laughs> and they just sat down to eat dinner. So, yes, you are correct. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Is, is Adam in there on his own with the six? No, he's in there with one of my friends. So <laughs> It's all right. He's not, he's not flying solo. Okay. Otherwise... He can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, your twins are toddlers now, but if we could go back to the beginning, um, how did it feel when you found out that you were actually pregnant with five babies? Oh, it was it, it was a journey for sure, but it honestly was just so surreal. You just it didn't feel like it was true that it was real. Like, how is that even possible? <laughs> Is it even possible? You know, who's playing a joke on me? You know, especially with going through the struggles of infertility. And, you know, we it took us two years to have Blake. And so then, you know, this journey again to have a sibling for her. And then I always wanted a big family. And then just <laughs> never in reality ever thought it would happen all basically at one time. And so um, it took me a couple weeks for it to really hit me. Um, my reaction for probably about two weeks was, I literally just ha- laughed more than anything because I just thought this is such a this is just so funny like I just don't get it and you know I mean God knew I wanted a big family and went through the struggles and all that and He's like hey here here you, you go <laughs> also you're you're not a big woman from the television you look quite petite I can't imagine how your body carried five babies. Was it physically quite exhausting as well? Um, it was. I mean, I never thought I was ever so small until someone told me, you have five babies in your belly, and you're like, wait, what? You know, you're like, wait, I'm too small for that. Yeah, I mean, my literally I had to quit work because, one, I had, you know, just major hormone levels of just like all my nutrition and everything is like going to these babies and, I literally had to eat 4,500 calories a day, and it was on a strict routine of how to eat and what to eat and when to eat. And it literally was eating just like high calorie, high protein every hour. Wow. And it was hard because I was super nauseated and I was throwing up a lot, but I had to continue to eat. And so it literally was a chore and a job to make sure I was getting enough protein, getting enough calories um, for all the babies. So, and hard. that's awful, isn't it? Having to eat when you just. When it's literally, you actually have to do it, but you don't want to, you just have to do it. Yeah. And I mean, 
I'm like a ice cream fiend. Like I love me some ice cream, but <laughs> the fact that I had to eat like literally, I had to have high calorie milkshakes like mm. three times a day to have that calorie because these babies all needed a lot of fat and cal because you know they're spies, so they're splitting everything and. I had to just take in so much. And so you're just, I was constantly full. And I'm like, please don't make me eat another milkshake. <laughs> like, it was misery, like for real. But I made it through it. <laughs> you did, you did. And what was the actual birth like? Because I imagine there would have been lots of people there to make sure that the girls were all okay. Yeah, so um, when it was time to deliver, um, I was 28 weeks and two days. And there was literally 30 people standing around waiting for the babies to come out. So each baby had their own team of six people. So from like a neonatologist to like respiratory, any kind of doctor you can imagine, they each had their own team. And so we had 30 people and that was not including wow. my doctors that were delivering right then and there. So it was a huge team and it stayed like that in the remains of the NICU too. So Yeah. And what <laughs> was that like for you though, um, Danielle? Because... Of course, with your first daughter, I'm sure it was very different and you would have had that time with Blake to, I guess, bond and to yep. feel grounded. I can imagine it might have yep. felt very, again, surreal and a bit alienating to have the babies delivered that way. I know it was for their safety, but how did how did you feel in that situation? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have Blake and be able to have that experience of just like a normal childbirth and be able to hold your baby, touch your baby, see your baby just right then and there and get that kind of like, holy cow, I'm a mom. Like, what do I do now? <laughs> but with the quince, you know, I had just this extraordinary thing going on in my body with these five babies and constantly in a lot of pain and just their constant movement and stuff. And obviously I had to have a C-section with them. And so that was just a different scenario in itself but because they were so small we knew they would directly go to the NICU and so basically one baby comes out my doctor's delivering the baby and handing it off into the baby's team and it's just kind of like a hey here's baby A and there you go you mm. know it was just a quick breathe and it just was weird because it was like I was pregnant for these months with five babies and then all of a sudden I'm not you know I'm like now what? Because I really had a hard time feeling like their mother. Like mm. with Blake, I got to touch and see right away. And I mean, it was probably a couple hours before I even got to see one of them. And, um, you know, and that just kind of is how that journey really started was the struggle of how do these babies know I'm their mom? I mean, they were delivered and went straight to an incubator and now are surrounded by other doctors and nurses that are going to be with them 24-7, unlike me, who is going to get discharged from the hospital eventually and have to come visit, right? Yeah. So it was very tough, but, um, you know, it became, um, you know, I remember some of my nurses and doctors telling me, you know, they know it's you, they know your voice, they know your smell and your touch, and they know, and so... I just went with that, and when I was, um, I, you know, part of my story was I wasn't able to produce uh, breast milk when I had Blake, and so it was something I just wanted to do so bad, and I literally was not able to produce um, with her, and so when I was pregnant with the Quint, and, you know, I start, like, trying to pump because they're not old enough to even have the development to be able to suck and swallow, and so um, I would just would pump, 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 
and I just became like a cow. And so this was my, this was it. Like, this is what made me feel like a mom. Mm. Um, breast milk was in very, very, very important to NICU babies, especially before 30 weeks, um, if they're born before 30 weeks. And so once they get to that, if you can accumulate and start, you know, storing milk for them, um, it's great for when they learn, they develop those reflux and suck and swallow so that they can have that. But, um, that's what I did. I mean, that was, and pumping that is so much so fun, isn't it? Oh yeah. But I mean, I had such a different perspective on what pumping was because at that stage, like I, I felt like I couldn't do anything for my kids. Like I couldn't, I couldn't really touch them. We couldn't really take them out. Like I couldn't hold them. And you know, there was just nothing I could do besides sit next to them and really talk to them. And so being able to pump was my mission. Like every two hours I woke up and like, for months and that's like what I did and it was what made me feel like I'm mom like this is what I'm doing for you and no one else can do this for you except me you know I'm gonna pump this milk for you and yeah um so wow that's was, incredible that's incredible and for months to wake up knowing that um you were you knew what it was like with Blake you were waking up to feed her even if it wasn't breastfeeding you're waking up to feed her so with the the Quinns in hospital still waking up through the night every two hours to pump for months. That's incredible. That's before you even brought them home. So- yep. So I pumped for, they stayed in the NICU for three months. And when they started being able to actually take the milk, um, it took them about eight weeks to, and I mean, they were drinking such, such small, like, I mean, you're counting like CC to the amount of milk that they're drinking, but once they start to get it and get the hang of it, they would um, be able to take more and more every day and every feeding. And, you know, I had a supply and I'd bring it all to the NICU and let them keep in the freezer with my name on it and all that stuff. And I think it was about eight weeks. They've really caught up to all the supply that I was starting to do. So I'll start to get to where, and they're still in the NICU. So I'm pumping, I'm at home, I'm pumping, waking up and in the morning, when I would go up to the hospital, I literally would bring what would feed them for the day. And it slowly just got to where they uh, started to come home. And I just, I couldn't keep up with the routine of pumping that much and feeding. And um, now I have babies home, some in the hospital. And so it was a lot of back and forth. And I pumped in the car, like, all the time, like, on my way to the hospital, on the way back, because it's a good 35-minute drive, and so might as well use my time beneficially. (laughs) I can just imagine if anyone peeked through the window while you're sitting in traffic. Oh, well, I had, you know, I I had this awesome scarf that was like a scarf, and it had this zipper, and then it would just, the the shield would pop down on the scarf, so it was basically like a big blanket around my neck, which is great. (laughs) Oh, so... Moving on from that, like the first year of any baby's life can feel like a blur when you look back on it. How clear is that first year of the Quinn's life for you? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just, I think, um, I think all females in any form of, you know, human and or animal or, you know, mammals of what sort, uh, I think you just get in that, like, what we were created to do mode and, like, that mom mode, and you just do what you got to do. And for somehow you were able to have this energy to wake up and feed babies. And, you know, I mean, it was 
it was all a blur. I mean, we had to feed the quint um, every two and a half hours. But when you have five babies and they're all home at one time and they're finally all home and you have to feed every two and a half hours, um, it took about an hour and a half to feed them all because we were, it's very common for um, preemies, extreme preemies, to have reflux issues. So for about three months, two months, I guess it's about two months, they had reflux, so you had to feed them elevated so you couldn't, like, prop feed. So you had to literally hold them, feed them. And it would take a good hour and a half to feed all five of them. And then you basically had an hour, but really 45 minutes downtime to get prepared to get sleep in between before you had to start it all again. And I just, I, it's just amazing that we made it through those. <laughs> just, I mean, I would go through a 24-hour period and maybe have like two and a half hours of sleep because not consecutive, just like within a 24-hour period because you'd sleep like cat naps, like when you could. And it just was insane. But that's where, you know, I don't remember a lot of those days, but we had a lot of love and support and extra hands that would come around and help feed babies and um, people that, you know, still talk about how they came over to help. And I'm like, I just don't remember you being at my house. <laughs> I bet you're like, I come over every Thursday. And I'm like, I just do not remember that. You're making a lot of mums who are currently sleepless feel a bit better about their, you know, three hours of straight, <laughs> straight sleep. They're thinking, whoa, what am I complaining about? Now they're toddlers. Do you have any perspective on what was the most challenging thing about having Quinn's? What was the most challenging thing about having Quince? Well, it's honestly, life is not any easier. It's just the challenges have changed. So when we were in sleepless days and nights and you're just body's exhausted to you finally get through sleep into the night, but then you start kids who want to be mobile and then you have teeth. And I mean, every day easier, the challenges are just different. Um, so I think our level of what I thought I could maintain or um, multitask or keep control of, I just never thought I could do so much, really. And um, and I don't take all that credit at all by any means because, you know, God gives me strength when I'm weak. And I also had family and friends that, you know, were in awe over this, too, and you know, it's just you come over one time and you just see how intense everything was. And so it's just not easy. It's not ever easier. It's just the challenges change. So then there's potty training. And, oh, my God. Oh man, I can go on <laughs> attitudes and toddlers and trying threes and sassiness. The talk, the t- you know, now they're communicating, which is so fun and great. But there's a lot of things that now they know what they like and don't like. And then you have to, <laughs> you know do that times five and six with my oldest, you know, so it's just different challenges. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting you say that because in the series, you and your husband, Adam, just seem constantly delighted with your children and, and calm the way you speak to each other. I'm constantly impressed with. And from the outside looking in, I understand it's TV and they've probably edited, edited out a bit, but it, it just seems like you're coping so well with it. Is it quite different? Do you think the reality, the TV show, and your life, like how much, um, how much of that do you think reflects honestly what it's like in your home? 
honestly, I feel that the show um, portrays us pretty well because um, one thing I tell people, one pe- one thing that we hear a lot of is that y'all just seem so real. Well, I can tell you that I don't have time to be fake. I have time <laughs> to keep up with what I should and shouldn't do. I'm just going to be myself and do what I got to do and say and whatnot. And, you know, Adam and I have... Um, um, a very strong relationship because we, I think we keep, uh, you know, if people compare, one thing I can say different is that, well, you know, we have had a challenging last couple of years and faced a lot of things in the last, you know, from having, from getting married to having kids and infertility and the struggles with that and then having quintuplets. And I mean, but more than anything, we've kept God in the center of our marriage. And that's, I think what just keeps us so grounded and, um, we know, like, it just, it's just, it's just unique, I guess. And we just are real and we just don't feel that what's the purpose of being different when I'm trying to, you know, share my story. And I don't want my story to not be my story. I want people to see us for who we are. And, and if, and if I can lead or help or speak to any other mom or any other dad through our story, then, you know, that's what we would love to see. You know, it's not about us. It's about, you know, our story and what, you know, God's teaching through us and how we can show others and, you know, help in some way from all aspects of different things that we've, you know, been open with, I guess, on the show. And it's as real as it gets. <laughs> and I've got to say, if there's one thing I get out of it, it's totally your love for your children and how you managed to rise above the chaos and just seem to really enjoy it. Um, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Danielle. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. That's Danielle Busby. She's a mother of quintuplets plus an older daughter, Blake. And you can see how Danielle and her husband, Adam, cope day to day with their girls on Outdoored on Foxtel. In the next episode of Feed, Play, Love, we'll be back with Helpline and our resident mothercraft expert, Chris Minogue, answering all your parenting questions. So it, it, there's many different ways of doing it, but if I would just stick to the basics, listening, going in when it's an active cry, helping him to settle. The other thing that I think doesn't get across is that it takes between five minutes and 15 minutes to settle a baby. So it's not a two-minute thing and it's not a one-minute thing. It's, it's a distance thing. <laughs> Yep. And it's that consistency. And and I think if you stick at it, you will pay it will pay off and in a month's time you'll be in a better place. If you want to ask Chris your questions, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feed Play Love is produced by Elise Cooper, written and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. 